Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted to sample the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to heal and get better in all areas of life. And I want to do it with you. Welcome to Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, where we improve and heal all parts of our lives, most importantly, our health. Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, your life improvement series starts now. Well, yeah. we love the book, and I I was raving uh, as we started about Cade's forward. It made me feel so ashamed of my forwards I've ever done because he killed it. He killed it, didn't he? He did. Well, I was I was underlining his things as if it was his book, and I was learning from him. Yeah. That is my guy, man. To be such a young kid and to have such wisdom is absolutely amazing. That's why I chose him. So he did a great cool. Job. Yeah, no, really yeah. was uh, was great, and um, and you know, I think. Well, the line that I, I grabbed this morning was greatness means ti- taking time to block out what everyone else wants for me and instead focus on who I want to be. That's Cade. And That's Cade. I don't know if that was a lesson that you taught him. Do you know? No, we talk about those things all the time because he's always talking about, you know, I want to be a great basketball player. But more importantly, I want to develop myself as a great man, a great father and what is that greatness? What does that mean? So we talk about those things all the time. So wow. he's just kind of, kind of divulging his thoughts about that. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I loved that. And it, it spawned a whole conversation about different boundaries that I started to set after brain surgery so that I could stop living by the demands and requests of other people of my oh, time geez. and start living mm. mine because I would see an entire day flow by and it was just playing Pac-Man, answering everybody's yeah. requests, and I would never get anything done that I needed to move forward. That's right. And That's right. I think a lot of us, especially women, get in that habit because we want to be the dependable, reliable one, the one that like is there for everybody, gets it all done, and we run ourselves into the ground, and then we're unfulfilled because we haven't done anything for ourselves. That's right. And that's really what the book is focusing on is, hey, let's make sure that we're taking care of us. Let me make sure that I'm smiling at myself and I'm happy with where I am and where I'm headed. Um, and I don't think we do a great job of it. Yeah. I think we do a great job of satisfying everybody else and other people, <laughs> but then we're left unfulfilled. And then we complain about being unfulfilled and pouring all of our energy into other other spaces and other people. Um, I think that's backwards. We've got to flip that back around. Yeah. So what inspired you to write this? Well, I think it, it almost, the book almost wrote itself. So really what those 40 conversations with self are, are things that I was asking people in therapy. So I'm doing therapy with clients and I'm asking these series of questions. And then the session's over and I would start to go away and ask myself, what would I say? How would I answer that? Um, and from that, I started to utilize that idea of, you know, this may be beneficial to others that need to almost rediscover themselves. Um, So it kind of stemmed from my therapy and found its way into my first book. So cool. I love, I love, love, love it. And I was underlining like crazy. So um, Mm -hmm. what are, 
Let's see. Let's go back into what I marked here. The first question is obviously <clears throat> the most important yeah. question. <laughs> yeah. Who is the most important person in your life? And I was reading to everybody, you know, you may think it's, you know, your spouse or your grandmother who took care of you and did so much to sacrifice, but it's you. Yes. How do you impress upon people that they are the most important person in their life and break the barriers and fears of narcissism and selfishness and all of that? How do you get that through? Yeah, I think fundamentally, the first thing, the first way I do it is to ask that fundamental question. Um, who is the most important person in your life or who knows you best? Those, those first couple of questions are critical um, to this move that the book is asking us to, to take. Um, because what it does, that curiosity, that, that line of questioning kind of forces reflection, like, well, who does know me best? And people, so I, I know, Maria, you might have, you probably have read parts of it. But when I ask people the question, who knows you best, they quickly say, well, my wife or my friend or my grandmother, or those people that you named earlier. Um, but there's no way that can be true. Because to be clear, my wife knows me really well. But let's also be clear, there are many things that my wife will never, ever, ever know about me. And I'm going to make sure of that. What do you mean? She doesn't need to, she doesn't need to know certain stories about my past that I don't need. And, that, and to be clear, there's stories in her past that she's not going to share with me. Whoa. So the only person that knows all the stories of Corey is Corey. You're the only one that knows all the stories. So everybody else has a portion of me. They have a piece and some larger than others, but no one has the full story except for the man in the mirror. So recognizing that that's not selfish. That's just truthful. So if we can begin with that cornerstone of understanding, then we can move into a, a better frame or perspective on who we are, how we came to be, and where we're headed. Mm -hmm. And that's what the book is asking. Be curious with yourself. Maybe for the first time, be curious with who you are and how you came to be. Um, so that's that's really kind of how that those those first couple of questions came to be. So if I was answering that question, I would say Kevin knows me the best, and I say it all the time. I'm like Kevin. Can you help me? What help me figure out? Like, and so, what does that mean when uh, we are punting it to someone else to tell us yeah. who we are? Well, what I would say is that probably Kevin is a person that is on your Supreme Court, so he sits on your Supreme Court. That you turn to Kevin to say, "I'm trying to figure this out. You know me really well. What do you think I should do? What do you think my response should be?" So Kevin is a, a Supreme Court member. But he in no way knows all about you. Not everything. As I as I say that statement, you have things that run through your mind like, yep, he doesn't know that. Yeah, no, of right. course. It's the first time yes. though, that that's ever happened where you yeah. really, really realize, oh, he doesn't really know everything. That's right. And that's okay, though. Yeah. I think that, that we have to come to the understanding that that's okay. That's how life is set up. Um, and if that if if we understand that no one else knows all of us except us, then why wouldn't I befriend myself in a deeper way? I should be the best friend to Corey before anyone else. Because to be clear, my before I can be a good husband, before I can be a good therapist, before I can be a good father, before I can be a good piston, I have to first be a good Corey to Corey before I can do any of those other things. Because if I'm a good Corey to Corey. I show up as a better version of myself than all those other spaces because I understand myself. I know my boundaries. I know what I what my non-negotiables are because I've sat with myself and understood that. Now I can move with a deeper sense of the core of Corey and other people will get a better version of that. I think that's simply, um, and, and not, not to say that simple is easy because simple can be very complex and hard. But it's really simple. And the book is written, as you know, mm -hmm. in a very simple way. That's what and I that love was purposeful. about it. Right? I did it. I, I mean, I could theorize and talk about all kinds of theory. I have a PhD from a big 10 university. I could do that. But that's not helpful. My grandmother, who I write about in the book, used to always say, she had a 10-year-old a, a, a education, went to the sixth grade, fifth grade. And she used to always say, whatever you do in life, make sure that you put things down where the goats can get it, baby, where the goats can get it down on the ground. What good does it help for me to pontificate about mm -hmm. these theories? And people are saying, 
I have to look up every other word. I have to look up. I don't, I don't really know exactly what he was saying. Well, that doesn't help anyone. Mm -hmm. So put it in a way that people can take bite-sized approaches to better understand yourself. And that's what the book is really hoping to do. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. With summer upon us, friends, hair is going to be even more important. Yes, we've got humidity, we've got sun, we've got all kinds of things. And sometimes it's hard to find the right shampoo for your hair. Everyone's hair is so different, and there's no one-size-fits-all solution. That's why I love Way. They have different shampoos depending on your hair type. Want volume? Fine hair and conditioner will give you that extra oomph you need. If you need some moisture and a little extra bounce, find your happy medium with medium shampoo and conditioner. And for my peeps with thick hair like me, give your hair the hydration it deserves with thick hair shampoo and conditioner. Plus, you guys already know Way carries some of my favorite hair care products I use all the time, whether it's the leave-in conditioner, which is my go-to, or the hair oil. They give my hair this hydrating refresh all summer long. Wash your way to healthier hair. <laughs> See what I did there? With shampoos and conditioners made just for you. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. Use the code Heal Squad for 15% off your entire purchase. That's theway.com, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. Use the code Hill Squad. Your hair deserves it. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps a bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. So if you don't have a relationship with yourself in that way, what are the best steps to take to develop? Yeah, I yeah, I think one of those initial steps is spending time with self. I think we won't do that because oftentimes, Maria, we get nervous to spend time with ourselves because we know that that person in the mirror knows all the secrets. Because I can BS you, Maria. You don't know me. I could tell you stories about this or that and how good things are. But you don't know when I end this call, what's going on in my life the struggles that I have, you don't know. So I, so what we can do in life is BS everyone. Including ourselves. One, 
well, including ourselves, but the only way we can be as ourselves is to not engage with self. So the book is saying, no, don't do that. Why would I do that to myself? Engage with self, understand, get in the mirror of your life. I think too often we look out the, the window of our lives and the window of your life can say, be, oh my God, look at that situation. Well, that's so bad. And maybe I should send a hundred dollars to help that group or that. And that can be okay. But the mirror of our lives is really saying, so who are you in the context of that issue? So if, you were, if you're worried about racial unrest in our country, did you get in the mirror and figure out who you are in the context of race? Or do you ask yourself those questions? Because that's not easy. But really, it will produce a beautiful space if we can do it, if we can lean into it. So I challenge people to find ways to get into the mirror of their lives. And that's what the book is doing. Is a, is a bite-sized approach to getting the mirror of your life. Yeah, I mean, and the questions are the exercise, and is it really spending time alone? <clears throat> I think that's part of it. I think that's part of it, because if you spend that time alone, you'll get to better know yourself, and then you get to move into the world playing and practicing with an, in a new way. Mm -hmm. um, so, so spending time with yourself, critically important. But then you have to move that into the world and now you're showing up as a different person and you'll start to recognize, man, I wouldn't have done that before. Yeah, I didn't see it that way because I hadn't done this work. Um, so I think it's a both and approach, do the individualized work, but then move that into the broader spectrum. Um, especially, I think the social networks that we're a part of, I think too often we try to change the world. We want to change the world. And that's a good, uh, that's a beautiful thing to think about, but it doesn't really work that way. How about if I change the social networks, the people that know me? That network may be small, but I, get, I have influence in that network. I don't have influence with people that I'll never meet necessarily. I may not get much influence there, but I get to influence my social network. So do the individualized work and then move that into your social network and see if you can impact that space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like when you're alone, you start to butt up against the issues that need adjusting or tension. So if you travel alone and you find that you can't just be without being on your phone, then there's stuff there that you have to look at. Or if you don't want to go out to eat alone or so what is it like you start to kind of see where things are rather than assuming or um, and, and then you can kind of start to address it. So like I went to a meditation event alone recently. It was the first time I traveled alone to something like that. Um, I usually would go with a buddy and it was magical because I knew in that moment I needed to do more of this and I needed to start getting comfortable with that kind of um, experience. And anytime something felt weird or uncomfortable, I'm like, ah, noted, this is something that needs noted. to be worked on. And yeah. I would catch it. But, you know, you can't catch those things if your schedule's filled and if you have lots of people around and you're not putting yourself in these different kind of environments. And I think subconsciously, we may set our lives up in such a way that we, we don't wanna do that work. We don't wanna spend time with ourselves. So if I stay busy mm -hmm. and am helping everyone else, I can almost tell the, an untruth to myself. I talk about that in the, this in the book, um, Jean-Paul Sartre. So now here I'm going to theorize. I just said I wasn't. Jean-Paul <laughs> Sartre, who was an existentialist, wrote about a concept called bad faith. And bad faith really is just saying that we tell ourselves these lies over and over. For instance, I could, I'll say, I can never leave this job. I hate it, but it pays the bill. So I can never leave this job. That's absolutely not true. And you know it fundamentally and foundationally not to be true. But if you tell yourself that story enough, you'll believe I can't leave the job. It's just not possible for me. Mm -hmm. um, so finding ways to play with that untruth, and you said, note it. Like, hey, let me note that. I, I think I BS myself there. You can't do this, or you can't do that. Maybe I could, and should I play with that more? So I think this concept of noting, mm -hmm. as you just stated, is critically important um, to our deeper understanding of self. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was something I loved that you said in the book about, um, in your process of this is that you will literally sit in your living room and not answer the door with people fully ringing the doorbell and seeing you sitting in there. Yes. I mean, what a yeah. practice, um, yeah. 
you know, because I know when the doorbells just keep ringing and ringing, I get so anxiety or stress. I'm like, oh, my God, enough. Why does everybody want to ring the doorbell today? But to get comfortable with not answering it. Ooh, that's a good yeah. one. So so let's be clear on this. When the phone rings, it is just an indication that someone would like to speak to you. That doesn't mean that I must answer the phone. Write that it's, down. It's, <laughs> it's just telling me someone on the other end wants to say something, engage with me, ask me questions, offer an opportunity. But I may not be in the space that that's what I need right now. So the phone, I'm going to let the phone ring. I'm going to decline the call because I don't need that right now. I'll get the message. I'll call them back. But I don't, that's not what I'm in need of. I'm, I'm spending time with myself. So to sit, the practice of sitting in my living room, in my sacred space, a, a chocolate leather chair that I have in my living room at home in Minneapolis. And if that, and then literally the chair is, is positioned in such a way that you can look right in my door and see me <laughs> sitting there. So the doorbell rings and I literally will look at the person and turn back and stay in my space. Uh, and usually people won't ring the doorbell twice. If they see you look at them and look away, they take the hint of, oh, well, they don't, they're not trying to talk to me right now. So is that selfish? I don't see that as selfish. I see that as me making sure that I take care of me first. I don't want to go talk to you about what you have to sell. I'm not, that's not what I'm doing today. Tomorrow, if you ring the doorbell, I may answer that because I, I can deal with that. But today I'm not doing that. So I tell my wife, so I'm, I have a place here in Detroit and Minneapolis is home. Um, so I'm away from home a lot. So I'll tell my wife when I feel myself kind of things starting to build to a point of being overwhelmed, I need a Corey day. I and love exactly, that too. Oh my God. She, yes. She knows exactly what that means. And she no longer takes that as a an off-putting statement mm -hmm. that Corey needs his space. He's just saying he needs his space. How did she get there, saying. though? Because I want to teach. I wanted to teach my husband to do this. Because when I read it, I was like, "Oh my god, this is brilliant." Kevin needs to do this. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, I'm still going to be sad when, when I just he he's like, "You just think I'm a toy. You just want to play with me all the time." I'm like, <laughs> "You're my best friend. Like I want to be with yeah. you." And Carrie's my best. My wife is my best friend. So I'm close. Um, but she now understands through the process. So I didn't start off by saying, I need a Corey day, just shut it off. I started saying, damn, honey, I need some time. I am, I've got so much going on. I just need to be still, not take any calls. So I didn't just jump in and say, I want to do this and this is how we're going to move forward. Kind of set it up by explaining to her, feeling overwhelmed. I need a moment. God, I don't know where I'm going to get it. I have to figure it out. And then... I, some, somebody came to me to say, you need a Corey day, dummy. You need a day for you that just allows you to be still with you, right? That you, your, true, your, your true best friend is you. So you need to be with your best friend today. No one else. Because there's moments that I will tell everyone else, my kids included, mom and I need time to just hang. Just mom and I. Don't interrupt us. We're going out. We're going to dinner. We're going to a hotel. We're, we just need time. Don't call us. If there's something that's an emergency, here's what you need to do. Contact someone else. We need our time. But we won't do that with ourselves. Mm. So the process of explaining to my wife that need of self, time for self and reflective space, she came to understand that. So now we call it a Corey day. And if I say that to her, she registers <laughs> quickly. And not only does she know I'm going to let Corey have his space, she'll warn everyone in my circle. Hey, Corey's kind of checking out today. He needs some time. Feeling got a lot going on. The book's coming out. The season just started. He just kind of needs some time. So not only will she understand it, but she'll help me with the, with my social network. Um, and it's been beneficial. That's so cool. Uh, Kevin has his thing where he hasn't doing isn't doing it now because he's eating better. But he his thing was if you see him in bed with the bowl of cereal, he's out. Don't talk mm -hmm. to him. Don't ask him for anything. The night is over. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, and I would turn into bratty daughter mode where he's like, is this what our kids are going to be like? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, I was totally testing. But, a, but Maria, that's a version of what a Corey day. He's, you guys are already practicing. You're already yeah. doing it. But so what I would add to that, the icing on that cake, that's a beautiful cake. The icing on that is to be intentional about it. 
not just happenstance and just happens I walk in, he's got a bowl of cereal, a bowl of ice cream in the bed, and it's telling me he kind of needs it. So how can he do that in an intentional way? Yeah. That I don't even need the bowl of ice cream to trigger, hey, I just need some space here. But everybody has so So much guilt. How do you get people over the guilt? Let's not be, let's not get it twisted. That guilt is fully self-imposed. That is fully self-imposed. That I put, if I have guilt, I took that on. I took on that guilty feeling. Um, so working to understand, I don't have to take that on. That's just, a, that's a mechanism that has been taught to us. I feel guilty that I didn't answer the door. I don't. You can feel it. If that's what you want to do, you go right ahead. I don't feel guilty about that. I don't feel guilty about it, Corey Day, because um, I'm not going to put that on myself. Let others do that work. If you choose to do that, you go right ahead. But I'm choosing something different. Um, so that choice in that guilt space is something that we have to learn mm-hmm. because we've learned that behavior we have to unlearn that behavior um and, it, and it's hugely helpful yeah i think you know with spouses um it it lets the air out of the balloon when someone is a, you know giving you the permission to have that right so there was yeah. a moment recently kevin was super overwhelmed like honey just go away just go mm-hmm. get a cabin go do something and get out of here and it just took the air out of the balloon and he felt so much better. He didn't even need to go after, like it helped so yes. much. And I know with me sometimes he'll say, hey, you know, if I'm going somewhere, do you want to just do this drive alone? Because he knows I love driving with the top down and just breathing. And mm-hmm. is this yeah. something you want to do by yourself? And I'm like, yeah, this is, I want to do this yeah. ride alone. Or I'll say, no, you can come. Or So we kind of do it. But I think the Corey Day really inspired me because... I'm now realizing how much alone time I need and how much rejuvenation mm-hmm. I get from it. And yep. he's always known it. I was very foreign to it. Um, but I think it's something we all need to to really practice. So you talk about that permission giving. Someone gives you permission, right? Even when, when Kevin asks you, hey, do you want to just go alone? That gives you permission. Like, oh, it feels good because I got permission. I would say let's make sure that we can give ourselves that permission that I, Kevin doesn't need to ask me if I want to go alone. If I'm already saying, man, this would re- feel really good to kind of do it alone. But if Kevin wants to go, I'll let him go, but I would love to do it by myself. So how about we just take the step of saying, Hey, Kevin, I'm going to ride up over here. I'm going to kind of drop the top and I just, I'm going to do it by myself today. And what, what is he going to say? Enjoy that, sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Enjoy that time. I know you, you need that. Enjoy it. So you didn't even ask for permission. You gave yourself permission. And now what you did was notify those significant people that that's what you were up to. Mm-hmm. That's I, I think it's something we should practice. Yeah. I have a question since you are obviously of such a growth mindset, right? And so many of our mm-hmm. listeners in this Hill Squad are, are growing and, and trying so hard to grow. When your spouse isn't hundred percent in the same wavelength as if they're behind in their growth, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. They're on the journey, but they're not caught up to you. How do you handle that dynamic? How do you, how do you advise people to handle that dynamic? Well, I think that, that we have to find the, the chutzpah, the gumption to be able to hold those conversations with people that we love and care about. That, hey, I, I'm getting a sense of feeling. We may, we may not be exactly on, in the same space. And guess what, babe? That's okay. It's okay. But I want to I want to verbalize that. This is again moving with intentionality. We don't want to be reactionary in life. And I think that's what we do a lot. We react. Right? I, I think the, the flip of reactionary is intentionality. That if we can move with intention, intention is saying, all right, I don't think that we're on the same page um, or we're not in the same growth space. And it doesn't feel quite right. And I'm not trying to tell you that you need to catch up with me or I need to slow down. I'm just verbalizing it because if we verbalize it, then we can do something about it. Because if we're not talking about it, I don't know that you feel like I'm not growing at the same, I thought we were on the same page. So no one said anything. Now in my head, I'm saying she's not growing with me in the same rate and it doesn't feel good, but I'm not gonna say it. Well, how am I gonna fix it? How are we gonna change that? If no one's saying anything, you're thinking one thing, I'm thinking another. No one discusses it. 
Now what it does is build and fester itself until it boils over to a point where it turns into a blow up situation where you have not, you have not grown with me over the last three years. And I've been, I've been waiting for you. You didn't say anything about that. No one talked to you. You didn't, you didn't tell me that. If you'd have told me that I could have adjusted, but now we're in a, a point where we're now contemptuous. You've now said something to me that you can never take back. My grandmother used to say, baby, when you squeeze that toothpaste out, you cannot put it back in. Those words are toothpaste. So, and you can imagine, you squeeze, squeeze that toothpaste out and try to put it back in, it's messy. It's never going to be, the tube is never going to be the same. So once you say those things that may be contemptuous, you're not growing with me, it's now set in stone. Now it's there forever. Mm. So before we get to that point, how about we discuss it? How about we put some things on the table? I think we can benefit from that. I love that. Yeah, it inspired me when you were saying, you know, you had to explain to your wife and she finally kind of got it. It's like, you know, those are the conversations that are hard for people to even, you know, consider having. Yes, but but let's let's recognize another thing that anytime we feel discomfort, we will lean away because we don't want discomfort for the sake of discomfort or pain. I hate it. I don't want it. Get it away from me. But if we reframe that and say, this discomfort could be an indication that I'm growing. Oh, now all of a sudden I may lean into the pain. I may lean into the discomfort because it's telling me, hey, you're growing into a new space. It's what you wanted. It's not supposed to feel great the whole way through. But what we know on the other side is beauty, that mm -hmm. the labor pains that a woman goes through is an indication that you're about to, the most beautiful thing in the world is on its way. And it hurts, it does not feel good but I know something's coming. I'll deal with this because I know in a few hours, a few minutes that I'm going to birth something that I'll love forever. So I'll deal with it. Yeah. But I, so I, I think in life, it's, it's very similar, right? That we want to lean into the pain. And the only way to really do that is to see that as an opportunity to grow for growth, that something's coming, that I'm seeking something that doesn't feel good now, but if I just stay with it and lean into it, something beautiful may be well on the way. Yeah, I've seen that pattern in my life whenever things get uh, a little like that. I, I just see mm -hmm. it. I'm like, oh, that's my my tr my kind of trigger to know there's another like a portal. It's a portal to the next yeah, level, portal. you know, that. and so I'm I, still in that. I'm still in that. Yeah, I teach portal. Kelsey that all the time. I'm like, things are going to be easy. You're you know, you're going to it's like a, I always look at it like a video game. So Super Mario Brothers, I go ancient, you know, level one, we, we, we finally figure out how to get through level one, we just step on the mushroom and get the extra points, we do whatever. And then it's like, Oh, my God, now I can do level one so easily. Well, then you get to level yeah. two. and It's like, Oh, shit, I, I didn't know that bogey was coming. I didn't know. Oh, oh, yes. and it's so there's a lot of discomfort again. And then you yes. master that and then you go to the next yes. level. So yes. when I tell Kelsey, as metaphor. she's yeah, as she's growing, I'm like, you're going to grow and then it's going to be, whew, okay, I got this. And then all of a sudden you're not going to got it. And that's a good thing because then yeah. you're, that means you have another level to go to and you're going so, to that next level. You just got to keep playing through. So if someone told you that you're going to have to fail 49 times to, for that 50th time success is there, you would rush to fail. Yeah. You'd rush to fail. Yeah. Oh, let's get this failure out of the way. Because on the 50th time, oh my God, something's there. I think life is the same way. Yep. Hey, let's get through this failure. I, I use a quote from Nelson Mandela. I live by this quote. And he said, in life, we never lose. We either win or we learn. Mm -hmm. It's very simple, very simple. But instead of looking at the, the negativity or things that don't go the way we want them as just lost, no, that's an opportunity for us to grow. I, we're our, my piston squad is one and three, so we started off rough. So just was talking to a number of our players last night. We lost last night. Said, hey, so what good does it do for us to lose these games if we don't learn? We don't get better from that loss. Then we'll be doomed to continue to repeat it. Mm -hmm. Keep turning the ball over. Keep doing the same thing because we didn't learn from it. So learn from it, and that doesn't mean we won't make mistakes, but maybe we'll make different mistakes. I don't want to keep making 
the same mistake, right? In, in life, quite similar, I believe. Yeah. Well, my favorite quote, well, two of them, obviously the Rocky Balboa quote, it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. I live by that. But the other one is by my favorite wrestler, Mr. Bob Backlund. And he said, mm -hmm. you never lose unless you quit. True. And it's so 100%. true. You never lose unless you quit. Yeah. Now, yes. I'm not saying you can't quit anything in your life. There are things that you should, you know, you, you mm -hmm. make good decisions about and say, this isn't for me or whatever. That's fine. But you never really yeah. lose unless you quit. So when I was dreaming as a, you know, little girl of immigrant parents in Boston cleaning nightclubs, when I was dreaming of my life and my career, I would visualize a ladder and I would see myself climbing this ladder and I would see people up ahead of me and they would make poor choices. And I was going to just keep making good choices and being a good person and doing the right thing. And I was going to keep climbing that ladder. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's, um, I knew that there was no way to fail if I pitched a good game, if I just did all the right things, worked hard, was a good person, there was no way I wouldn't win in life if I did so that. Let me ask you. So you said when you were a little girl, you would visualize the ladder. So that sounds like a past practice. Yeah. Do you still do it? Do you still do it? No. And that's a problem. Why? <laughs> I don't why know. Why would you not? Why would you stop that? Help you succeed? That that spurred you to into all kinds of success. So that I think that's the mistake we make. A hundred percent. Being imaginative. Mm -hmm. Why would I ever stop visualizing that ladder that helped me get to space A and B and C? And then we start to get to space and we say, "All right, I guess I don't need to do that anymore." But we're not done. Nope. You're not done. You're right. This is the beginning of the rest of your life today, right here, this moment that we're in. The only moment that we truly have is this current moment. What happened three minutes ago is gone forever. What's going to happen three minutes from now is yet to be seen. The only truth that we have and the only reality that we sit in is this moment. So how engaging with that ladder visualization on a continual basis yeah. is critically important. But somebody sells us a bill of goods that says, well, once you get to a certain point, you don't, why would you imagine anymore? Well, the That's stories that seep in are, well, how much more do you want? And they oh. make you feel greedy for wanting more. And those were the things yeah. that I think stopped the latter process. I think also life hits and, and you know, I was pretty Teflon, <laughs> but yeah. they even got to me. And, and I think that at some point, all of those things accumulate and you get worn down and mm -hmm. you... And then you also have the stories of like, wow, I'm, I'm being greedy for wanting more. All of that becomes this recipe for stuck. And yeah, but listen, though, why would I, why am I going to listen to someone else that may be envious about where I am that wants me to stop? Yeah, you got enough. You got enough, Corey. So, so many people told me my dream of working in the NBA or the NFL with players therapeutically was too big of a dream. Why not just get a PhD and then work as a professor? That's a great job. You'll be you'll be great. The students will learn from you. That wasn't my dream, though. That's your hey. That's cool for someone else. That's not what I want. I have dreams, and I'm gonna keep pushing and pressing. I'm gonna keep climbing that ladder, and that's not greedy. Mm -hmm. Success is not about greed. Shouldn't be. Shouldn't be about greed. Success it should be about a process. I want to be better today than I was yesterday. Because mm -hmm. if I'm not, what's the point in all of this? If I'm not better, a better version of Corey today than I was yesterday, I have missed the mark. So that means the last, I'm still moving. And until the last breath I take, I'm going to keep moving. I say all the time, in life, we must be rivers, not ponds. A pond is stagnant. Stagnant water just sits there. It can get nasty and messy. But a river is ever regenerating, ever flowing and moving and evolving. I seek to be a river. I want to keep moving. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to stop. You know, I don't know if that means uh, I didn't imagine that I would write this book and I didn't know if I'll get to the NFL and all. But I'm going to keep pushing and we'll see where it goes. If this is the limit, then so be it. But if it's not, I'm going to keep rolling. Yeah. No, I love that. And I think 
um, this show has been my kind of guide back to myself because I get to have these great conversations every day. And the meditations I do every day are specifically envisioning my life and my dreams. So I do it every single day now. But for a very long period, um, I didn't know why I was stuck. And then I realized, oh, well, I stopped dreaming. I stopped believing that I was deserving of more. Um, and I know I'm not the only one that has those feelings or conversations or has had those feelings. So um, I think what I'll take away from today is that maybe I throw back the ladder and even though I have a different version of what I do now, but the ladder is going to come back too. <laughs> That's good. And and realizing in life that there is, I hope, I don't, I hope I never arrive. I don't want to arrive. I want to keep moving. I want to keep going. I don't want an arrival. Okay. I've arrived because what do we do? We yeah. get complacent if we think we've arrived. Yeah. Well, I'm here. Got to the NBA. I can just, uh, that was the dream. No, I'm going to reassert myself. What's the new dream? Yep. I'm looking around like, hey, there's got to be more. So what's next? What do I want to do? I don't know what it is, but I'm going to look for it. I want. I don't want to arrive. I don't want the, the complacency and the comfort of arrival. I seek discomfort. That's I what I was going to bring comfort. you back to. I was going to bring you back to yes. the discomfort because yes. that's why if you want more, you have to get used to and comfortable with being uncomfortable because yeah. that's when you know the growth is happening. That's when you know you're on your way to the next level of Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> when I grow up, I want to be like you. When I grow up, I want to be like you. I'm working on it. That's a full-time job, but I'm going to be like you. Like me? <laughs> that's good stuff. Yes, like you. You're so that's cute. That's a beautiful, right? That process is, yeah. is, is a thing of beauty. Keep Thank rolling. You. Don't stop. Yeah. Don't stop. It's so it's so fun when you can start to see the patterns like that. Um, I think that that's really, really special because then, you know, um, like even now, this morning I had a moment and I got these real strong chills and I'm starting to identify the pattern of the chills with kind of psychic moments. And I'm like, oh, that's a new pattern that I'm realizing. OK, now I can grab onto that. But that only those things only come when you give yourself some space to identify them, right? Yes. So I I learned the discomfort led to a portal to my next level. I'm now learning certain emotions and feelings are, are indications of things that are unknowing that I feel yeah. and have. Yeah. Um, but that's getting to know yourself, which is why I love this book, because you start to really um, get to know yourself through this, because you're asking all the right yeah. questions. I'm a journalist, and so mm. you've got to ask the right questions to get the answer. Yeah. And right. so, and, and open-ended questions, open end, mm -hmm. right? If you can open, the more open end you can, you're gonna get more of a response. If you say, "Do you like this or that?" Well, I can just say this, and I'm done. So tell me what it is that you like and why. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, people have to expand and expound upon something, and I think that that's the beauty of life, right? I think that's um, that's exciting for me. I love it. I'm that's gonna exciting. go to the booth, Kelsey. What are your, your questions? You know, I had one that this has been really hard for me. And I know you wrote, this is one of the questions in the book, talking about that inner voice, kind of that inner dialogue. Uh, and I feel like that's something that you also talk about a lot about awareness in the book. That's something that I recently have become so aware about how negative my inner voice is. And I mm. think a lot of us struggle with that and struggle with knowing how to change that. And I don't know yeah. if it is something you necessarily change, but I wanted your help and opinion on that. Yeah, it is something you can change. Um, you're, you're talking about the concept of self-talk. Yeah. That as I'm talking, I don't have to wonder if Maria is talking to herself because she is. She's, well, what's the next question? Should I go to the booth next? Right? There's a conversation that's always happening. So that means that we have much more influence on ourselves than all the people in our lives combined that will talk to us. We talk to ourselves more than everyone in our lives combined. So if that is the case, tuning into if that talk is usually negative or positive is critically important. What you'll find oftentimes is I'm negative with myself. And the nastiness in that is if I took those negative things that I say to myself about myself and gave a script of negativity that I say to myself to someone else and said, hey, say these things to me, would I remain friends with them? Hell no, I wouldn't. I would be seeking to get away from them. But we do it to ourselves all day, every day. So what we need to do is see our mindset, our, our thinking, 
um, those conversations that we have with ourselves as an echo chamber. And that echo chamber can be filled with negativity. But what you can do with that echo chamber is begin to put positivity in to push that negativity out of the echo chamber. So if you're aware of yourself talking, most people are not. It's just happening all the time, but you don't tune into it. So first of all, let's become aware. All right, what am I saying to myself? Oh, that's not good. All right, so what do I want to do now that I'm aware? I want to change that little by little. The African proverb, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Hmm. One bite. At, so you don't try to change it all. I'm not trying to change all my self-talk to positive overnight. But little by little, I'm just going to replace some of that negativity with positivity. And as you go, you'll start to find, man, I'm starting to be more positive with myself. And what we know, the more positive I am with my self-talk, the more positive outcomes I'll have in life. Pretty simple. Doesn't mean it's easy, but relatively simple. Um, so that is the work. Become aware of it. It sounds like that's what you did. And now start to change it little by little. Thank you. So helpful. I mm -hmm. like that. I, I like that adding the little bit of positive because I think that it, we and I know you and I talked about this briefly. It's like it can be so overwhelming when so many people are telling you to do so many things and there's so many solutions out there. And then you you're paralyzed and you do nothing. So it's yes, like that yes. little bit, those little baby steps, like you said, eating just a little bit of the elephant. It's not <laughs> the whole thing. So thank yeah. you. I right. love that. Well, good stuff, good I stuff. feel like um, I feel like your aha moment hits with the right message and the right time and the right person. So it may not have happened yet and it may have just happened now. I know for me, uh, the meditations I started earlier this year with Dr. Joe Dispenza. Are you familiar with him, Dr. Yeager? No. Dr. Joe Dispenza, um, I think you would love him. So when he started making me aware of my thoughts and how much weight our thoughts carry and how we're the creators of our lives and our thoughts have such a huge impact, I would in the morning in the shower every day be conscious of what was coming in and I would catch it with a mitt like a baseball player. I would literally catch the thought and I would say, you know, does it serve me? And I'm like, nope. And I would release it. And then I would say, what, what do I want to think? And how do I want to feel? And I would do what you're saying, basically. I would replace it with, where do I want to yes. go? So I would take the negative thoughts or the negative talk, catch them, throw them out, and redirect to where I wanted yes. to go. And that became yes. a habit eventually to a point where I was like, oh, I've really shifted what comes inside here. And that really is making me so much happier. Yes. And it makes a yeah. lightness and a float kind of vibe for yourself that you start to have. And then everything is possible. And then everything starts clicking and everything yeah. starts right. happening. But it really starts with your self-talk and your thoughts. 100%. And you did it little by little. Catching it is about that awareness. I have to, I have to be aware. So I can't catch it if I don't know what's happening. So if I'm aware, all of a sudden I start to catch it. And not only did you catch it, but you said, okay, let me look at that. Does that serve me? Is that good for me? No, it's not. All right, I'm tossing that. And when I toss it, what do I replace that with? Mm -hmm. Some level, some version of positivity that will serve me. So we should be in the, in the, in the business of serving ourselves. Um, there's a song by Tony Jones. And the name of the song is Energy Budget. Ooh. It's an absolutely beautiful concept that I have to budget my energy. Budgeting my energy, where will I give my energy? Where do I choose to give it? And part of that is catching those negative thoughts and turning them into positive and figuring out, all right, so Kevin, I can give you this much energy because I have the energy to give. I think one of the struggles that we have in life is that we seek to pour everyone's glass full. But if I look at my glass, it's only a quarter filled. It's only partially filled. That's a mistake. I need mine filled all the way to the top. And once it's full, anything left, you got. You can have it. Everyone else can have it. But my, I have to fill mine first. How silly is it that I'm pouring your glass full and I have a fourth of a glass? Yep. It doesn't even make sense if we think about it. And so yet I'm that's what everybody mine. does. That's what we all do. Yes. I'm not doing that. I'm not in that business any longer. That's just an old business and other people can be in that business. That's cool. I'm not going to be in that business. I, love I that. want my glass filled and anything left, I'll give it to you readily and gladly. That's so cool. I, I've come up with a new one recently where it's like, is this loving for me? 
You know, is this something that's loving for me? If it isn't loving for me, then I'm not going to do it. And I asked myself at the end of the night, what did I do that was loving towards myself today? And what did I do that was maybe not so loving towards myself so I can take stock of where yeah. I need to make adjustments? And so yes. it's it's a similar Love thing that. with the, the glass. Um, mm -hmm. I can't wait for my husband to hear this interview because his glass is always empty and I don't know where he finds the reserves to pour. He's like probably, mm -hmm. was it Robin Hood that stole from the rich and to, gave to the poor? He gave to the poor, yeah. yeah. I think that's yeah. what he is. He's like an energy Robin Hood. <laughs> <laughs> you should listen to that song energy but you'll love it i will you'll absolutely love it yes um i want to ask you about um you talk about the difference between treatment and healing and um i really want you to share that with everybody before we wrap out yeah so treatment i know we don't have a lot of time so i'll be brief and i could not i could expand on this for a while but treatment and healing is something that I think we should do a better job of differentiating between. So for instance, metaphorically, if you cut your arm wide open, um, what you'll do is go to the doctor and they will look at it and say, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna clean it out. Then we're gonna put this ointment in and then we're gonna sew it up. So it's all treatment, very important, critically important. But the body will then go about the job of healing that wound. The body will do it. The, the, so all healing, all healing, must come from within cannot come from outside it must come from within the individual within the community all healing must come from within so do we seek treatment my work is treatment work the therapist i'm a, i do treatment but i get to help facilitate the healing in you but i realize and recognize that that must come from you that i can't give you healing i cannot heal you i can help facilitate that healing in you um so recognizing that I think is an important distinction that will help us go seek that treatment if that's what you are in need of but realize that you have everything within you to heal yourself so that's that that um that differentiation i think is really important i love it well we definitely have enough to talk about for like a part two and a part three so hopefully you'll come back mm -hmm. uh in the meantime sure, we'll put everything dr corey yeager in the summary of this episode so you can find the book, How Am I Doing, and anything else that you need to know about Dr. Corey. Thank you so much for uh, for this today. This is amazing. Yeah, I had a blast. Thank you so much for having me. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or mariamenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions. Well, that's it for today, Heal Squad. Before I let you go, I want to make sure you don't forget to take care of yourself today. I'll be making sure I'm not forgetting to get outside, do my meditations, and of course, keep myself fueled with some sweet, chili, wonderful pistachios. Wonderful pistachios, as you know, are my go-to when hunger strikes because they're one of the highest protein nuts providing all nine essential amino acids, and they're great for on-the-go snacking. So... When you're ready to elevate your snacking game, visit wonderfulpistachios.com to grab a bag 